You're listening to Techspiration with Nancy Caramonico and Mike St. Pierre. In this episode, we talk with Greg Duvetter of the Diocese of Orange, California. We discuss technology, leading change, productivity for school leaders, and a whole lot more. Here we go. Thanks for listening to another episode of Techspiration. I'm Mike St. Pierre along with my co-host, Nancy Caramonico. And we have another fantastic guest on today's show. And our guest is Greg Duvetter. Greg is an incredibly accomplished educator. He's somebody who many of you will know and are probably already familiar with, and Nancy will tell you a little bit more about Greg, but we're thrilled to have him on the show today. And I guess before we get into our, our typical Q&A, Nancy, uh, how are things in, in Philadelphia area? Things are very rainy here in Jersey as we are recording in early November. Yes, it's it's just very rainy, foggy, uh day here, a typical fall day, but it is beautiful. The, the trees and the leaves, everything's really in high fall color right now, so I'm enjoying that. Kind of nice time of year. So, well, Nancy, you want to uh, launch right into our special guest today, Greg, and if you would introduce him, and why don't we jump right into uh, the first question. Yes, hi, we're so happy to have Greg Duvetter here today. Um, Greg is the superintendent of Catholic schools for the Diocese of Orange, and Greg is a regular uh, speaker. He goes all around the country speaking to to different Catholic schools. He's a very strong proponent of future thinking, um, innovative thinking, and technology. And uh, he was recently published in Momentum Magazine, and he was a recent guest on Catholic Ed Chat where he talked about who's up next, um, preparing future leaders for our schools. So we're very happy to have you here today, Greg. Thank you very much. It's it's 90 degrees out here on the West Coast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, you are officially our least favorite guest as of right now. <laughs> hmm. I don't know how to follow up with that, but no, Greg, we're thrilled to have you, and uh, I love, I can't Very wait. happy to be here. Awesome. I can't wait to hear more, you know, as a follow-up to that idea of what's up, who's up next, and um, you're, you're sort of a curator of new talent, so we're, we're thrilled to have you with us on the show today. Thank you. All right, Nancy, you want to start in on our, our first question for Greg? Sure. Uh, Greg, uh, we so enjoyed having you uh, last week and uh, listening to the Twitter chat. Can you tell us about your interest in fostering the development of future leaders for Catholic schools? Well, it's both ideological and practical. I don't want to do this job forever, and I'm going to have to have somebody take my place. I've been superintendent for about five years, and uh, five years ago, when I was first superintendent and sat before a group of principals, my first thought was, oh my goodness, about a third of these people are going to be gone in two to three years. <laughs> and I knew we had more or less a crisis on our hands because we didn't have people in the pipe. Not even talking about people who were the best, who were the most formed in Catholic identity, in leadership, in all of these things people, bodies. So it has been really kind of one of my chief uh, things that I've worked at to try to say, how are we going to create a new generation of leaders who are going to take our Catholic schools to where we want them to go now, and more importantly, going for, uh, forward? Of course, there's this whole idea of Catholic schools 
um, you know, you hear about schools closing and you hear all of that bad news, but I want to create a message of hope. I believe in my diocese, we do have a message of hope and growth. And if we're going to have growth, we have to have people who are going to take that place. So from the very start, our one of our key jobs identified in my office was the identification, the sort of nurturing and training of new talent and trying to get them to places where they could really serve um, our diocese as principals, as vice principals, as directors, or in other positions going forward. Now, in terms of my th thinking, so what we did right from the start was we started having every other year what's called a leadership discernment day. Through that, we were able to invite principals to send anybody they wanted to a day that was based on thought and prayer and talks and talk with um, college programs and such. So we would start to get them thinking about what would be necessary for them to go forward. In most dioceses, it is asked that a, somebody who is a principal would have a master's degree in um, leadership. And so we brought in three or four colleges that offered those degrees, recognizing that no matter how young these people are, now is the time for them to be getting their degrees. It's really hard once you get older to, to go back to college. So we wanted to encourage them in that regard. So from there, we started a cohort at the local um, Catholic University, Loyola Marymount. And we are now starting our third cohort of about 10 people who are going to be coming through. Last year, we had seven openings for principals. And we were able to f fill them, many from our own cohorts and other people who were around. So it looks like we are starting to be able to put good people into these positions. The future of our schools is going to depend on our principals. I say unashamedly that the principal position is the most difficult position in all of education. And we have to encourage people to go forward and we have to support them once they're there. So that's been kind of what we were working on here. Greg, can you give our listeners a little sense of how large is your diocese? How many schools are we talking about? We have, I have 41 schools. I have 34 elementary schools and seven high schools. There are approximately 15,000 students in the, um, uh, that are in our schools right now. So, um, and we're growing a little bit. This is the first year we showed growth at the elementary level in the past 14 years. Wow. So things are exciting out here in Orange. Congratulations. Probably a correlation to the weather, but uh, no, that's, <laughs> that's awesome. Well, I think it's caused by a lot of things. Most importantly, our bishop is a complete proponent of Catholic schools, speaking for them and saying unabashedly that he has no intention of closing any schools. Mm -hmm. And the confidence that that engenders, mm -hmm. it goes a long way with enrollment. Greg, you were recently a guest on Catholic Ed Chat, which uh, for listeners who don't know, it's a wonderful opportunity for professional development, Saturday mornings on Twitter. And uh, I'm sure, Greg, this was prob probably the pinnacle of your professional career, uh, being a guest on Catholic Ed Chat. <laughs> um, <laughs> being on Catholic Ed Chat has been fun, and I've been there almost from the beginning. It's really, yes. uh, it's really been wonderful, and getting to know people like Nancy and like Barb in Nebraska and all of the people who have been involved has been one of the greatest things uh, in terms of professional development. The only downside to Catholic Ed Chat is it is very East Coast oriented <laughs> with its nine o'clock time, and uh, we out on the West Coast with at six o'clock. There are many times I am. I am still in bed when I'm doing my Catholic Ed chat. 
Uh, no matter where I speak, however, I am always telling uh, principals, teachers, superintendents that there is no stronger professional development out there for a Catholic educator than that one hour on Saturday morning. Wow, that's quite an endorsement. So you're obviously somebody who's very technological savvy. Why would you say leaders today should know how to use technology and social media? I think that's that's such a challenging question because it is so obvious. Now, how do I step <laughs> back and explain why that is true? Um, we, I believe that technology is changing our schools completely, that education is being redefined as we speak, and technology is one of the things that's most important there. If you're going to be a leader, you must understand, to some extent, where you're leading um, and be able to buy in and to empower those people who are pulling your schools in the direction that you want to go. Um, that doesn't mean you need to know everything, but I was really worried when I saw that principals in some places, not in my own diocese, are the least technologically able of their whole staffs. That they, there was this feeling of, well, that's what teachers do, that's not what I do. And of course, from a modeling standpoint, and of course, from a leadership and direction standpoint, you have to understand both the power and the limitations of tools to make an effective plan and to help your teachers and support them. Um, I believe that technologically rich environments are where all our schools are going. And if your school is not a technologically rich environment, you're going to be out of the market sooner rather than later. And so we've been really pushing here. And I have extraordinary principals in my diocese who do a wonderful job talking uh, with their faculty and building programs. Um, we have taken on some pretty aggressive programs here. We're going to be one-to-one -one in all of our schools by um, mm. the beginning of 2015 at, at least some grade levels. And we will make that goal. We also have some, uh, some things that are... Uh, from a planning standpoint, so important. We have a fiber backbone into every one of our schools, and uh, that's allowed us to really move with this. And we do a lot of um, centralizing of the way we approach stuff, but the principals have jumped on board, and they've overcome their own hesitations, and they've taken the program further, and they are empowering their teachers to do it. So I'm very, I'm always excited when I talk with my principals. That's certainly a credit to your your leadership and your vision that you're well, to able them. to. Yeah, I mean, I know what you're saying, and but uh, for you to foster that kind of thinking and then also give them the the ideas and the resources for how to carry it out, I think is is terrific. Um, if we Frank, don't do it collectively, and I, I don't want to jump your question, but. I, my greatest fear when I started this whole thing is we were going to end up with a group of haves and have-nots. So if you mm -hmm. don't take a centralized approach, you're going to end up where there's money, there's going to be lots of resources, whether it's spent right or not, who knows. And you're, where there's not money, you're going to have nothing. And that is not that doesn't fit our mission. Excellent point, excellent point. Um, now, uh, you do travel to, to many schools, and if you haven't had a chance to listen to Greg speak, he just is, is a very inspirational speaker. I got a chance 
to listen to Greg last year at MCEA. And um, I know you also travel uh, not just to conferences, but you'll go to many schools across the country and meet with many Catholic educators. What common threads do you find as you, you travel around to different places? The most common thread is that there are no common threads. <laughs> Every um, To quote one of my mentors, when you see one school, you've seen one school. There are as many levels, there are as many confusions, there are as many problems as there are schools. Uh, in the last month, I've been in Patterson, New Jersey. I was in, um, I was in uh, Connecticut, and I'm going to Miami on Monday. And I know that I'm going to see three different programs in three different sets. But here's what I would see are the key threads that I see. I recognize that we have gone over a tipping point, uh, that we are no longer fighting to see technology in our schools. Everybody more or less understands that's needed. There was a time, right. you know, 10 years ago, we had, there were people who said, well, no, this isn't going to have that big an effect on schools. Nobody's saying that anymore. So... The second thing is everybody is afraid, and I understand that so much because it, the costs are so high and the stakes are so high. There is a lot of fear about making mistakes, and I think one of the things I try to bring out is the fact that you're going to make mistakes no matter what direction you go, so you might as well go and make mistakes boldly as you're moving forward and trust the resiliency of your school. The third thing is that our schools and this is probably true everywhere, are all over the place even within a school. There is no one thing that is a Catholic teacher. There is no such, there are no rules about new teachers, there are older teachers. I see teachers with a lot of experience who jump on board and are real leaders in this area. I see new teachers who are resistant to the use of technology. Mm -hmm. So there isn't a simple path. So what we're doing here is we're trying to to some extent, re retool an entire workforce for something they weren't trained to do, and we're trained. But we have to do the type of individualization for them that we're talking about moving to with our children. Yes, yes. I mean, you'll you'll see often in workshops where you share a whole lot of different resources or something. You'll see teachers. Everybody likes something different. So. So that personalization, it's exciting. Um, again, it presents a challenge, but I think w when you realize that, I think it's really helpful because it helps you to move ahead and say, well, not everybody's going to like the, the exact same thing. Exactly, and I think that we need to be really thinking about this as we're talking about school professional development. I'm not, um, I, I think, I love giving talks. I love doing that, and there's a space for it. But I think there's another thing that we're not doing enough of. Um, we tend to give a lot of training up front on things because we've been told if you don't train a lot before, programs are going to fail. What we're seeing, however, is we're training a lot before, and programs are still failing. So we're thinking, oh, we got to train more. And I don't think that's really the case. I think we need to give minimal training for basic comprehension ahead of time. I think we need to give a lot of support along the way, and this is where video is really so strong that, that I can give videos on how to do all parts of an operation, and the teacher who needs it can come to it, and the teacher who doesn't need it doesn't go to that one. 
And the most important thing is you have to give them concrete, attainable, and accessible goals. So, because if you don't have a goal, if it's try as hard as you can or do the best you can, you know where that goes. I think we have to start really saying, I'm going to give you less upfront, I'm going to give you a lot during, and I'm going to really expect some things from you at the end in order to really bring people along. And we do have to start being a little bit more clear that, yes, there are expectations and not, and, and not quite pussyfoot around that as much as we have in the past. Hey, Greg, maybe kind of picking up on this, this idea of a personalized approach, a, a mentoring approach, a, a coaching approach to the people we serve, um, let's talk for a second in terms of you know productivity and and technology and productivity for your school leaders, because I'm presuming that you're you're spending a lot of your time with school leaders. What are the you talk about the upfront minimal skills? What would you say are the critical productivity or technology skills that you want your school leaders to have? I do trainings in one to one about every two or three weeks within my own diocese. The starting training for one-to-one, the first thing I say to them is, you're going to be told about all these wonderful apps, all these wonderful things you can do, and I want you for the first couple of years to completely ignore it. I want you to do four or five apps. I want you to do them well, and I want you to do them all the time. Uh, That type of thing, first of all, ties in with real good pedagogy that the students are going to understand it your class um your class is going to behave better than it would because it anticipates and goes forward with it and now when i'm talking about what we do i would say i'd put it in basically four or five categories the first is obviously there are the givens textbooks we need to be moving into e-text um and what we need to be doing in our diocese is we need to be I'm trying to put together a subcommittee that's just looking at everything that's out there because your average principal is like a, a lamb in the among wolves when looking at e-text. They don't even know what they should be looking for. Sure, yeah. So not to tell people what to do, but just to say, if you go in this direction, this is what you're going to find. It's compatible with this, and it will work here. So putting that knowledge base together, and that's something that can be shared between dioceses. Um, the second thing is... You're also, once you've got the textbooks, there does need to be some sort of office setup, whatever it's going to be. Now, I believe office skills should be taught in always in connection with projects. And so students we are not taught technology, they're taught projects, and they learn technology along the way. What we are experimenting with and what is really the golden goose for this is what I call leveled adaptive software. That is software where a student works for, let's say, for example, in math, it does assessments, and through that assessment, it recognizes where the student's strengths and weaknesses are, creates an individual program, reassesses, and then levels the student up and notifies the teacher. This is where, once that's really working well in one-to-one environments, you're going to be able to provide individualization that we've never been able to do before. And the teacher will be more important than ever because one thing this will do is it will tell him or her, hey, these three students need help with this area and you need to do an intervention right now with that. It's going to make our teacher so much more effective. Now, if we get into apps, I I start with things like, obviously, you're still going to need some um, presentation stuff. 
the key app that I like, and I know there are other things to do this, is I still like Socrative or Socrative. I've heard it pronounced both ways. This is what I consider to be a true classroom-changing tool in terms of getting quick assessments from students in order to form your own instruction. And to be able to see it graphically on your own screen as the students do these very quick quizzes or answer questions is so valuable. And I, and I think that I said, if you do this three times a week, you will change your classroom, you will change your teaching. The other one is I, th I want to see constructive work by students. And here I usually say something like educreations. And again, these are just a couple that I use. There are many more that do exactly the same thing, where the student can record. So the next thing we talk about is uh, educreations, which is about constructive knowledge, where students will actually record their own work on a screen. And having them do something like that for a homework assignment or for a test, first of all, make sure the work is their own. Secondly, it creates a whole set of resources for your class. If I had a, a math problem said everybody's going to do a video of this math problem, I'm going to really understand if those students get it or not by the end of that. So those are the kind of things that change a classroom right from the start. And I think that we really need to focus on less to do more as we go forward. I love that emphasis on uh, projects as a vehicle for learning technology. Uh, I think you're right that the paradigm has shifted. Instead of, you know, a class that's all about office or PowerPoint, and and then maybe if you're lucky, you get to test out some projects, flip it around, and go with projects and use technology. So I, I love that. That's fantastic. Uh, we've been talking today with Greg Duvetter. Greg is the superintendent of Catholic Schools for the Diocese of Orange, and uh, it's been a wonderful conversation. Uh, Greg, we're almost out of time. Again, we're grateful for your perspective, and it just sounds like you're doing incredible things out there, and uh, it sounds like your principals and the students you serve are really, really fortunate to have your leadership. Um, how can our listeners get a hold of you online? Well, I'm G. Duvetter uh, on Twitter, of course. Uh, my email address is g-d-h-u-y-v-e-t-t-e-r at rcbo.org. Um, I also have a, a website called workwithhope.net, all one word. And uh, the blog right now has been a little bit in advance. It's coming back in December. I've been working on some other kinds of writing. Uh, I travel everywhere around the country, and anybody who wants to get in touch with me, if you want me to come to your school, or to a district or to a diocese, I'm all, I can be available, and I'd love to come and see more, see what's happening in other places. Greg, fantastic. Thank you so much for being our guest. We'll make sure we put uh, all of your contact information as well as some of the apps that you've referenced in the show notes. And again, you've been listening to Techspiration with Mike St. Pierre and Nancy Caramonico. We'll see you next time.